Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I am very glad to be back with you today. I'm looking forward to this uh, show I've got planned for you. It's going to be wonderful. Patrick Albanese will be joining me in just a minute to get things started the way he always does on a Monday. Then the Monday afternoon mix, uh, Pastor David Miles and I will be joined by Dr. Clarence Schuler. We're going to be talking about his book as we start to anticipate the upcoming Father's Day in 13 days. And then hour two, I'll be joined by philosopher and theologian Ken Samples. He's got a new book called Christianity Cross-Examined. Is it rational, relevant, and good? And you know Ken, he's quite a thinker, so get your questions ready. I always welcome them, whether you have a question or something that he says that you need clarified. When it comes to Patrick and I, good luck with that. Uh, Patrick is my (laughs) friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome. I'm a philosopher in my own right. <laughs> yes, you are. You know, are. you're lucky. You, you you got a hold of me just at the right time. I finally got rid of the solicitor at the front door. <laughs> the, it, this this guy was very, very good. You yeah. know, I just kept saying, no, thank you. And he says, yeah, now did I tell you? He was selling, and of course I had to watch him leave and make sure he went all the way down the block because he was selling uh, some sort of pestis-like control service. <laughs> and I was like, I know what happens with you guys. If, if I if I turn my back, you're going to let a rodent loose in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm so skeptical. It's like, you know, he says, I'll, I'll climb your trees. I'll get the bugs out of the trees. The whole neighborhood will be clean. It's oh, like, funny. Well, you start with the neighbor. Yeah, he was very good. I didn't buy, though. I guess he wasn't that good. But Well, uh, they not super persistent, but he did his best. He did his best, but yeah. I still, I kept an eye on him saying, don't you, don't you even think of releasing some cicadas yeah. in my yard? Yeah. Well, yeah. here in Minneapolis, the uh, thermostat is set to London broil. What do you, what do you have temperature-wise? Yeah, baked Alaska. Baked Alaska. Right. Yeah, so we're kind of so, kind of about the same. Yeah, it's uh, well, we're in the mid nineties right now, and it it feels great uh, because we we're not getting much rain, which means that the construction on my street can move ahead rapidly, meaning I'll get access to my driveway nice. sooner rather than later, That's and. Fantastic. It's doing a great job of killing the grass. Oh, I won't have to mow. You know. <laughs> but I won't be the only one with the brown grass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm just looking at what happened over the weekend, and we lost another uh, actor from our era. I loved uh, the Mod Squad. I remember growing up watching it thinking, okay, you guys are really cool and, and mod. <laughs> and we lost Clarence Williams the third Link. Link. Yeah. You know, and... It, uh, and if I just may refresh yeah, they, the memories of all the listeners, uh, I think yes. the Mod Squad theme song is one of the top 500 theme songs in television. It's right up there uh, with, uh, let's see, Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to welcome yeah. back, Cotter. Okay, that I show did. never had much variety, but uh, yeah, Mod Squad did. Okay, I'm just saying this had great energy, and I, I went back and listened to it, and at 30 seconds, I thought this would just be kind of a memory lane for all the listeners, the theme song to the Mod Squad. Oh. Yeah. 
All right. How awesome is that? Huh? It, it was great. And uh, I think um, Speed Racer initially rejected that theme song. <laughs> and so the Mod Squad picked it up uh, for, for cheap. Okay. Now, you Do you know, remember the car they drove? Uh, wasn't it like a, a paneled station wagon or something? Well, they had a, a, a Dodge Challenger convertible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who had a, a Dodge Challenger, and when he bought it, when he opened the glove box, it already had five speeding tickets in there <laughs> waiting for him. <laughs> it, it came with five five speeding tickets, what you're saying. Yeah, came, yeah they, they figured, you've been watching yeah. the Hot Squad, you're probably going to drive this thing way too fast, that's why you're buying the car. Yeah. Let's just get this out of the way, shall we? Here's your speeding tickets. You're going to be getting these over the next 12 months. Okay, now let's talk uh, yeah. about the whole idea of a, a theme song or an opening to any kind of TV show. They have to try to tell the story of the show in 30 seconds. Now, I think as Christians, we should all be prepared to give a 30-second understanding of our faith and, and and have it be winsome and inviting and have people go, oh, tell me more. Because as I watched that Mod Squad, Patrick, I saw yeah. each of the characters show up individually and Michael Cole or, uh, was the very first actor, and he had this dickie on, uh, this, like, fake turtleneck, and he was running, and he was, yes. like, out of breath. I thought the superheroes never were out of breath. And then Clarence no, Williams yeah. III showed up, and then Peggy Lipton, and they kind of all joined in the middle and said, "We're all, are we okay? Are we okay? And then they clutched arms and ran together. And I swear, I almost got teary-eyed watching that. It's like, they're in this journey together. Yeah, although that's not the best way to run. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. You're but, not going to catch many bad guys with arms linked. You'll know they, <laughs> they, but, they did have them separate at some point. Yeah, yeah, but they were all in it together. Come on, that's kind of cool. I yeah, it's you know it's it's and you're you're so right about the the theme song kind of had a. You know, some of them did it with a with the actual words. You know, Gilligan's Island, they couldn't really just show you what happened. They had to say, look, let's explain this to you. These, <laughs> they got exactly. on this boat, yeah, and Things something didn't go happened, well. yep. and they're stuck. Yeah, Charlie's Angels was, look, I met the, I, I just, I'm their boss. That's all you need to know. And I give them <laughs> crime fighting assignments, and uh, then just please watch. Yes, you know, yeah. uh, Fantasy Island. You know, all of those. Just they sort of they would have a narrator do it, but some of them could do it with just the theme song. And usually, like Mission Impossible, Mod Squad, the ones with the, you know the heavy action. They just showed you a bunch of things happening. Yeah, you know, uh, Six but, Million Dollar Man used the action music, but also had to explain. In case you're wondering why this guy is very fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he's electric. But yeah. I think it's a great reminder. We should be all prepared to share our faith somehow in less than 30 seconds to say something that uh, makes people want to hear more. Yeah, I, you know, it's, as you know, we all go through experiences on any given day where uh, you say that was not maybe the best uh, example uh, of me living you know, a, a, an outwardly Christian lifestyle that somebody might say, gosh, there's something special going on there. Right, you know, exactly. every now and then I have one of those days where I'll, I'll realize, you know, I, look, it's, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't uh, had uh, any bad thoughts. I haven't committed any sins. I haven't really, I've, I've lived a completely perfectly biblical life. And uh, now I'm going to get up and out of bed and let's <laughs> see how the rest of the day goes. <laughs> Because it's difficult, yeah. Uh, and people are watching, uh, and especially people that know you're a Christian. You know, it's almost like they want to see something go wrong so they can say, "Aha!" That's too bad. Look, yeah, it is. It's a shame, and I've lived that way myself. 
you know, it's 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 much easier to try to find some flaw in some other people than to try to live up to a higher ideal, don't you think? Yep, and I think I said this last week, but the 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 line was, "What you're doing speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying." So uh, you, you didn't say that, but you should have. Well, no, I didn't yes. say it with you. I think I said it last week with another guest. Because oh, so modeling. I'm getting the re- I'm getting the rehashed <laughs> material. <laughs> I can't even offer you fresh material. That's all right. It's yeah. it's okay. I, yeah. I, I, it's a great saying, and it is true. Uh, you know, we we are we're kind of on display. And you and I have a mutual friend. He lost his wife a couple of years in a terrible car accident. Yep. And um, I worked with him when I was running a magic club out in Hollywood, uh, and he as you know him as well as I do, lives, breathes, eats, sleeps. The gospel is is a walking embodiment of, of God's word. And some people take it completely the wrong way and say, gosh, that's weird. And uh, others that have seen the life that he's lived and the things that he's gone through realize, oh my, this guy, he's he's the real thing. And I need to be more like that, not less like that, more like mm-hmm. that. That was a big realization for me. Yeah, I just sent him an email a couple of weeks ago because it was the birthday of his younger daughter. And I just can only imagine some of these uh, events that he's going through, some of the anniversaries and birthdays. And just to know that he's doing it now without Susan, his wife, it's very challenging. He's But he's an unbelievably man of strength and character. And he's st- standing strong with his faith and really showing yeah. the world what it means to follow Christ. Yeah, 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 and I know when I first met him, I, I, I've been in honesty, I was a little off-put because I wasn't a Christian at that point in time, so I didn't really get it, and I didn't get what he was all about. And as I came to faith, it slowly, it took a while, it slowly started to dawn on me that, uh, yeah, he, he walks the walk mm-hmm. all day long, Yeah, all day long. Yeah. Jane just texted me over and said, the Green Acres theme song tells the backstory. Well, that's true. I mean, that's goodbye, the, city life. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that the pitchfork when the, into the hay, and then the pitchfork. You know the whole thing. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I was talking about that show with somebody recently, and and they thought that meant that I was old, that I would even know that there was such a show as Green Acres. They pretended to have never heard of it, and I thought, <laughs> how can you? How can you not be aware of this television icon? Exactly. You know, exactly. One of the Gabor sisters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want to take a break, but come back and I want to talk about uh, some fatherhood. There was a really a excellent article that I read that I want to discuss with you. You're a very good friend to dissect stuff with and you process things well with me. So let's talk about fatherhood when I come back. Patrick Albanese is my guest as we get our Monday started. And why not be back? What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That theme song belongs to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, uh, so I got another text here. Let me see if I can find it. 
Um, <laughs> the way the way you were just introducing it was almost like you were, had forgotten each piece of it. My friend and uh, <laughs> colleague, that's it, from the great state of uh, yeah, that's Lee, the Iowa. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. a listener, uh, Joseph, loved the idea of having a 30-second demo- uh, trailer of your faith. Um, so he said to me, uh, why don't you go ahead, Bill? Give us a demonstration. A little on the spot right now, i got to be honest. Are you, you're kind of an improv. Oh, no, you're not. No, <laughs> I'm a stand-up guy. All right. You're a stand-up guy, uh, yeah. Uh, here's my trailer. I, I grew up loving church, loving life, loving my family, loving my neighborhood. I enjoyed sports and music and laughing. I never knew how much I loved God until I had a personal and intimate relationship with him. I asked him to forgive me of my sins and be my Savior and Lord. The rest is eternity. You've still got 11 seconds. Okay. <laughs> I don't know well, I mean, I didn't rehearse it. I just thought, well, I just, well, yeah. wing it and see how long it goes. So I, you yeah. put some dramatic pauses in there. I think you've got a keeper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. That, that's, that's, that is, is great. I think that's great. Well, um, I'm, I'm telling people I love church growing up, which I did. I love my family, which I did. I love my neighborhood, which I did. I love no. sports. I love music. I used to love laughing. I still do. Um, yeah. And you never really knew how much you loved God until you get into a personal relationship with him. Because just going to church doesn't give you a personal, intimate relationship with him. It's when you make him your Lord and Savior and, and become born again, which I did when I was 13. Yeah, and, and, it, and it doesn't hurt to sit down and talk to him every now and then. Like, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, like 70 times a day, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I, you know, I think, well, you know, I was brought up in the Catholic Church, and, uh, you know, my, my dad loved to parade the eight kids, and we sat in our own row, all dressed up nice and neat, and he was <laughs> sometimes one of the ones giving the comments, um, the, the, the commentator, the lector. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we kind of just did it by rote, and a lot of the Catholic services were just, you know, stand here, kneel here, do this, do that. And it took me a long time to uh, try and get into understanding what it was that I was listening to all those years. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. 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 So Susan jumped in with Love Boat. That's another great theme song that tells it all in 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, and they sing it. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, it's, and, yeah, that was pretty, yeah, And we lost Captain Steubing last week. Yeah, we did. So we're losing the TV guys. Yeah, we are. And Evan yeah. said, right now I'm... You're, I'm missing my corduroy bell bottoms, so there you go. I I had a pair of those as well. Yeah, as yeah. did I. That's it. Yeah, I. You know, have you noticed that's the one trend that never made it back? <laughs> and I still, I don't think they will. I don't think we're going to see yeah. bell bottoms or leisure suits. I don't think we're seeing leisure suits again. Which is a shame because those went right into the washing machine. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. Let's talk Just, about dads. Uh, this was an article yes. I read by Dennis Prager, which I found to be very interesting. And the title of it was Our Fathers Necessary, because there has been so many stories coming out about fathers. And the, the Atlantic magazine said, Our Fathers Necessary, uh, a paternal contribution may not be as essential as we think. Hmm. Well, experiment on your own time then. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, I'm hoping that the evidence is overwhelming that uh, having a mother and father around is is pretty helpful. Yep. Um, you know, you and I both were young when we lost our dads, and uh, I think our, both our mothers remarried, you know, some years later, but there was a big gap. Uh, yes, there was. And you're, you're young, and 
I think we were both about the same age and you realize, you know, these were guidance years, you mm-hmm. know, it was, I was 13 and, uh, my mother remarried when I was 19 and you say my, practically my entire teenage, my entire existence as a teenager, I didn't have a father's guidance and it was sorely missed. And my brother, yeah. who was a little bit older, fell into an awful lot of trouble because he kind of went crazy. He was 16 and it just, he had a lot of troubles. Yeah. The dad, uh, the dad you know. helps teach his young men restraint. The Prager article said, if a boy does not have a father who models how a man controls himself, he will most likely not know how to control himself, let alone want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can 100% understand that. Yes. In a 2008 Father's Day speech, uh, Barack Obama said fathers are critical to the foundation of each family and that they're teachers and coaches and they're mentors and role models. And what made that comment particularly noteworthy is that he, uh, he grew up without a father. Yeah, and, and, and I remember, yeah, I think, and he had brought up fathers many times in his presidency, uh, which, you know, is not often the, the, the party line. You, you know, you, you, I'm not saying that they're anti-father, but, uh, you know, he would often point to, you know, uh, poor communities and say, we're missing fathers here. We're missing, you know, the fathers are gone or they're in jail or there never was a father involved. And, uh, he was brave enough to say, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a problem. This is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And all things being equal, uh, you know, my wife and I often talk about, you know, the early days when we, we had the kids and it was like WWE tag team, <laughs> tag team wrestling. Uh-huh. Right? We, we each had a point in, in the evening when you're up all night with kids where you were allowed to tag the partner and say, I'm out. And no matter how tired they were, no matter, you know, how many hours of sleep they had yet to get, they had to take over because they, they'd already gotten a couple hours of sleep. And we just made that our rule with each other that you go as long as you can. But when you tag out, the other has to come in and take over. And we, we got through a lot of the difficult you know, initial months when you're, when you have a newborn in there and there's no sleeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we said, we would always say, how do people who don't have a partner do this? Yeah. How do they do this? It's hard. This is hard. And uh, I knew people that chose to do it alone that, that said, uh, you know, we don't need a dad because these mag, I read an article that said, <laughs> you know, fathers aren't necessary. Yeah. And so they if, had difficulties. If yeah. we begin with boys, uh, safe to say that boys have no built-in understanding about how to be a man. That is not an instinct. That has to be taught by a, a good, responsible, mature man, whether it's yeah, a father or a grandfather or an uncle or somebody. It just needs to be taught. Yeah, there's a taming, you know, not to say that boys are naturally wild, but, you know, they they can be pretty energetic. And... uh you know, somebody has to set their boundaries for them. Uh, I mean, it's never good to let any child set their own boundaries. That's that's usually not going to work out too well for you. And I, I think uh, when boys hit their teenage years, they're going to push that limit. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, I was the sixth child. And my mom, you know, of course, had just been recently widowed as I entered my teenage years. And she rarely gave me any rules because I, I guess I think she was just tired of imposing them on all the older siblings. And as a result, I was too afraid to take advantage uh, of, you know, the the fact that she gave me a little bit more freedom. 
And then I realized that that wasn't it. She said, well, you've earned that freedom because you've been restrained. You've restrained yourself. Mm -hmm. You haven't done the things they did. So that's why I gave you that freedom. I always thought that she just wasn't paying attention. She was always paying attention. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, 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 I've just seen too many times where without the, the dad there and why, and why do we do this? Why do we, even at churches these days, sometimes they like to make fun of dads that they're kind of incompetent or inept or, you know, I go, I don't, I don't know many guys like this. I don't, you know, I don't know guys that, that, that can't work a lawnmower. You know, they always, you know, my rules for TV commercials, you know, and men are always the dummies. Why do we do that? I don't know. You know, I think the trends of television have gone from father knows best to father knows nothing. Father knows nothing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my usual rules are, you know, for TV commercials these days are that women are smart and men are stupid. Kids are smarter than adults and animals are smarter than people. And now you can write a TV commercial. Right. <laughs> and then as it relates to, to daughters, the dad is the man, is the, is the man girls learn to relate to. So without a father to relate to and bond with, there's going to be some destructive consequences. Like she'll, this girl may not know how to choose a man wisely. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so I have five sisters and, uh, I know when my, when we lost my dad and they were all at different ages, different effects on each one of them, depending on where they were at. And my oldest sister who, you know, a year later is engaged to be married. I know she was just devastated by not having my dad there. Mm. Um, and, uh, but you know, some of the ones that were in there, my one sister who was 15, same as my brother who was 16 who had trouble. She had some troubles and she had some bad relationships, quite a few over the years until, you know, she finally figured it out. And I just, I often look back and I say, is it just because that was when dad was gone? Yeah. You know, you didn't have him there to kind of help you out. And, and of course, keep watch at the house when the date came to pick you up. <laughs> My dad was tough. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw a survey and I won't be able to quote it specifically, but if uh, a child comes to faith in Christ, there's like a 13% chance other family members will get saved. If a mother comes to faith in Christ, there's like a 56% chance other family members will come to Christ. But if the dad gets saved, there's up to a 90% chance other family members will come to Christ. So it's a profound difference. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's but, a but, big deal. But understandable. Yeah, yeah it dads is are a big, big deal. deal. Yeah, I mean, we're not saying, you know, one way or the other that there's a parent that is preferable, but it would be nice to see us, you know, appreciate fathers. As you know, you look at your Mother's Day celebrations, often even at church will be... Mothers are the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I agree with that. I do, too. But fathers, they don't often give them the same love. Yeah. Patrick, thanks. Yeah. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. All right, Monday Afternoon Mix is next. Pastor David Miles and Dr. Clarence Schuler will be joining me. Can hardly wait. Monday afternoon mix. So glad to have Pastor David Miles in studio, and we've got a very special guest today, David. I'm very excited about this. Oh, I am too. Been uh, been waiting 
uh, for people to get to meet this individual. Just really a powerful ministry and just a wonderful, godly man. So I'm super excited. I am excited, too. Dr. Clarence Schuler is the president and CEO of BLR, which is Building Lasting Relationships and the author of several books, including Winning the Race to Unity and Keeping Your Wife Your Best Friend. But today we're going to talk about Choosing Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. This is going to be awesome. Yes, it is. Clarence, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. No, we're thrilled. We're really glad. And I know David's extra excited because you guys have a little history uh, as well, don't you? We do. Uh, y- yes, we do. Yes, we do. He tries to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about uh, the 11 wise decisions that brave young men make. And I think that has uh, never been more critical than it is right now. Well, it's true. It really is. And we're trying to help guys to uh, think not short term, but long term and how what I do now, how it's going to impact me five years from now or possibly based on what it is the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, one of the things that's neat about this is having a 18 year old who's graduating uh, from college or graduating from high school. Um, these these 11 things are so needed for young men. For older men, for mentors, for uncles, for brothers, and the like. And so I'm excited to have Clarence share more about this. Yeah, and David, as you talk about your graduating son, it's so important because wise decision number one is choose to seek wisdom from parents or trusted adults. I'd say that's pretty critical, isn't it, Clarence? Well, it is. And the funny thing is, you know, as teenagers grow up, uh, they tend to think their parents aren't very smart. But the older... (laughs) the children get or the young people get the smarter parents become. And so and so sometimes their peers think it's not cool because unfortunately it's been a lot of divorce and it's a lot of single parents. That's not blaming anybody, but they don't know what they're missing. So so I think to have a a trusted, you know, parent or a trusted adult, because not everyone has a male parent. Uh and, and let me just say this, we encourage single mothers if they don't have a male figure that they can trust their son with to talk to the pastor of their church or big brothers, but whoever they have or someone in their family, but whoever they have, and I hate to say this, they all need to be vetted, you know, and uh, that's, that's really important that that's done, you know, uh, you know, because of this day and age. So, so that's one thing we do want to encourage people to do and be aware of. And I'm especially grateful because Clarence has been this uh, for Tammy and I. Uh, just the other night they had prom and, and DJ went with his girlfriend. But I remember when he first uh, started thinking about dating, uh, Tammy and I had a call with Clarence and we, we were like, so we're new to this. You know, what sure. do you do? And here's one of the questions that's so powerful that Clarence said. He said um, to ask DJ, said, you know, there's a, there's a high probability that you might not marry this person. And so how will this person have a deeper walk with Jesus and their future husband be honored by her having spent time with you? I love that question. I I love that. I mean, is being with this person, are you leading them to a place of greater obedience to Christ or to lesser obedience to Christ? Yes. Well, it was important to me because a guy came here wanting to date my daughter and we seemed to be a nice guy and we talked about it. So I took him down to my office and I just simply said, you know, I'm glad you're interested in my daughter. I'm glad you're following Jesus Christ. I said, but here's the deal. If she doesn't make, if she, you guys decide not to get married, you know, she should be better off for having dated you. 
so I want you to think about that, that process. And he was like, wow, I never thought about that. And he said, you know, he said, I like it, but I just never thought about it before. So I think it's important for us as fathers to really set a tone uh, for our sons uh, and their relationship with, with the opposite sex. Clarence, there's so much great material in your book, Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. Um, let's talk a little bit about technology, and that gets to be quite a significant deal in the lives of uh, young men. And maybe you could give us some guidance as to how to make technology work for them. Well, I think when every involves social media, for the most part, it should just be for information, mm-hmm. whether it's a text or, or a voicemail or something, some other form of social media. Primarily, it should just be for information. Something that's very emotional, uh, when we try and type it, we may not say it's everything we want to, ar- to articulate it. Sometimes it could be misinterpreted because it's not a voice, it's not eye contact. And so we just really encourage people to really try and make social media, which is really a great invention, uh, something that's practical but also safe. And then the flip side as well is that sometimes on social media, people bully people and say things in print they would never say face-to-face. So we try and tell them to really be aware of that. And, and maybe the biggest danger is sexting, where someone's taking a picture of their girlfriend or boyfriend um, without clothes on. And in some states, that's a felony. A one-year man was 18, dating this girl 17. They were sexting. Uh, someone saw her picture. He's 18. That was a felony in that state. He lost his football scholarship. And his parents been working with an attorney trying to get that uh, knocked down from a felony to a misdemeanor. So we have to really be careful about those things. I often think of social media as anti-social media because there is so much venom that goes on and there's so much bullying, like you said, Clarence. It's very destructive at times. Well, the other thing, too, we often lose our ability to communicate with social media because we're not talking to people. We're just texting. Yeah. And and texts have their own language, you know. Well, you know, Clarence, one of the things that you, you bring up in the book as well um, and we've had a conversation about is, is thinking that I must respond immediately to every mm-hmm. call, text, and email I, re- I receive, that whole FOMO, fear of missing out. Can you speak to that? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, uh, phones have become an addiction to people. One of my spiritual sons said his teenage daughter, she can't even take a shower and take her phone into the shower with her, you know, because she doesn't want to miss this or this video. Uh, you know, there's an app that you can get on Facebook or, or about Facebook that you can buy friends. So people really want to be popular. And it's just it's just really sad. So it, the addiction piece and learn to live without it is really hard. So the best thing parents can do is have dinner time without phones or have a, a t- family conversation. That can be 30 or 40 minutes without a phone to help them see the importance of social interaction. I like that. That's, that's great, uh, great wisdom and counsel. Let's talk about how important it is to be a hardworking person, period, end of sentence. <laughs> well, <laughs> growing up, my mother said I was the laziest person she ever knew, which is probably true. <laughs> that's not very fair, Mrs. Schuler. Well, that's pretty, yes. pretty accurate, so, so we say hard, we say hard working. I, I'm doing it now, okay. but... Uh, it's, it's a good work ethic. You know, we actually feel good when we do something like physical cutting the grass or do a paper and it's done. Or for me, when I finish a book and it gets published, 
it's, it's a sense of accomplishment, and we need to understand self-worth, not self-worship. And so hard work validates our self-work, even though our self-work does not make us. And so I think just having that habit is really important for young men if you're going to begin to date a girl or you're going to get, get married, is knowing how to work hard to support that woman who, who says yes to you. Or that girlfriend who says, yes, you know, I think that's really important so you have money to go out on dates and stuff like that. So does that make sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. You, you know, know, Clarence, one of the things that, that often happens, too, is that when people hear, uh, you know, Dr. Clarence Schuler, people often see, like, our, our, um, where we're at now, and they don't see all the things that we went through in order to, to get to that point. And so that's kind of a little bit about your story as well, right? So you just all my business right now. You're putting me all out in the street. But anyway, uh, uh, that's not true, Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us when you were an astronaut. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Uh, now my you laugh. My niece is an astronaut. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but has no relation to me. But anyway, but uh, you know when I was in college and even in high school, um, at one point I actually flunked out of college. I, I was about beating systems and. I wanted to play basketball in ACC, long story. My coach went to NBA, so I ended up going someplace else. And for a brief time, when I was 20 years old, I was in Chicago and homeless. And so uh, the decisions we make are really important. So I, I learned to study and, 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 and how important that was and, and the value of that. So uh, so I know I haven't always been this way. In fact, one of my professors was shocked when, when he saw my first book. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, yeah, but, but you know, our initial issues don't have to determine our, our final outcome. Yeah, that's really awesome to hear, Clarence. And, you know, one of the things we often give um, instructions but don't really, really tell how. You're saying how you had flunked out of school and then made this mm-hmm. dramatic turnaround. Um, so what were some ways that you actually began to take this, you know, seriously? As we, you know, we have kids who are getting ready to go off of college and then come back to high school. Well, you know, actually, when I got to grad school, to seminary, you know, I, I could still manipulate my way around school pretty much, you know, in college because I just stayed eligible to play basketball. But when I got to college, God just really let me know very clearly that if I wasn't faithful to the books, he wasn't going to trust me with people. And so it became an issue about stewardship. And so studying actually became an act of worship. Because uh, some of the professors say, you know, things you do now are going to have eternal consequences. So I began to look at things from a different perspective. And early in my college education, I was just totally selfish. But the Christian life is really about serving. So it just really changed my perspective about what's important and how to communicate and how to serve people. Clarence, I would think of life can be so challenging. Of course, it's difficult. It's hard. But whenever does using drugs or alcohol make life's circumstances better? Unless it's medicine or drug that's prescribed by a doctor who's trying to help you, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say other than that, most of the time it's detrimental. I can't tell you how many people, one of my guys I grew up with, loved to death, was now a Christian, and all he, quote, took, the harmless drug he took was just marijuana. Mm-hmm. But it impacted his vision, impacted his ability to think. And if you see him now, the consequences are terrible. And, and guys who are younger than me who have done drugs, uh, they look much older than me now. And, and uh, we did a lot of research for the book about just the impact of, of legal marijuana and how it's much more potent than it used to be. But it slows down your thinking. It hurts you 
your eyes as far as driving at night. It can affect you sexually. So there's just a lot of – there's nothing really positive about drugs. But then you have to ask yourself to create the question, why am I on them? And then the other thing you have to process, will I control the drugs or will the drugs control me? And in most cases of drugs, you become a slave to the drug. So you will choose to live a much happier life if you avoid it. And I think that is a, a universal sentiment we all have, including uh, David and myself and you. And uh, it's a great encouragement to young men and to men of any age to uh, be so responsible when it comes to that use. I don't think there's a lot of uh, uh, gain for using recreational, any kind of drugs or alcohol. That's just me talking. So. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's actually research talking. I mean, when you look at the drugs, I mean, I, I get these medical emails every every week and every day, and every week they always talk about how having alcohol is detrimental in one way or another to, to, our, to your health. Right. And it, whether you're a Christian or not, it talks about that. So I think you need to be careful about that. Yeah, I agree. We'll take a little break. Dr. Clarence Schuler is our guest. He's uh, written a book with Dr. Gary Chapman called Choose Greatness. 11 wise decisions that brave young man make. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll hear some more jazz and bring back Clarence. Pastor David Miles and I are talking to Dr. Clarence Schuler. He's president of Building Lasting Relationships. Clarence uh, works with young men and women about friendships, dating, sexuality. He speaks for Iron Sharpens Iron and in National Football League chapels. We're so glad to have him on the show. He's written a book with Dr. Gary Chapman called Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions That Brave Young Men Make. Great lives don't happen by accident. Clarence, how important is it to build diverse friendships like david and i are friends and i i pay him four dollars a month for a friendship am i overpaying <laughs> you're probably underpaying underpaying anyway. okay <laughs> well I, I just think you know for a lot of people the social climate is new for most people color is not but i think one thing we talk about in our book is that it's really important to build those friendships you can build them early it changes your worldview and you learn about other people. And the reality of it is, the more you learn about other people, the more you learn about yourself. So even if we were selfish, learn about other people is really important. So I, I just think it's just it's critical. And, and in our society today, I think it's really invaluable. And I, I, I so I think it'd be a great book for a dad to go through or a trusted male to go through uh, this chapter with a young man. And actually, this is gender neutral, so you could actually take a young lady through this particular chapter as well. Wonderful. Yeah, you know, it's interesting on the subject of diverse relationships. Uh, one of the books that you wrote was Winning the Race to Unity. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, uh, for our listening audience, it's because of that book that we're actually having a conversation with Clarence today. Because I was reading this when I was in seminary and having lunch one day with a gentleman. And he said, what are you reading? I said, well, I'm reading this incredible book called Winning the Race to Unity. 
I said, but I, but I have some questions. I, I'd love to, to, to ask this person. He goes, well, I can do that. I said, what? He goes, yeah, he's on my board. And so living in <laughs> Chicago, you know, small town with probably the Chicago land having, I don't know, eight to 10 million people. Here's Clarence in Colorado Springs and end up getting connected because of this subject, this importance of diverse relationships. I like that. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, you know, years ago when I met Gary Chapman, um, I was 14 and living in a surrogate situation, which in surrogates is not always bad. I know I'm trying to unpack that. But Gary and I have been friends for 52 years, and uh, it's just really made a big difference in his, his life and my life. Uh, he's like a grandfather to my kids, and his daughter's kids and are like my niece and nephew, which which I love. I mean, it's expensive now. I have to send as much money on their birthdays. But other than that, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's, really, it's really a great relationship. Let's talk about another wise decision, and that would be to choose to invest time in helping others. Well, I think for young men, I was fortunate to have a dad who would make me cut grass for senior citizens who couldn't do that. And now that I'm a senior citizen, I really appreciate it. But again, again, the real key here is that he was teaching me to serve others. And by nature, I think most teenagers, no matter what color they are or gender, our natural tendency is to focus on ourselves. And so he was trying to teach me how to serve other people. And here's the deal. When you serve other people, you become rich in friends. And so uh, that's something we really want young men to really learn. And it, it becomes a real value point. And kids who are so lonely, if they learn to serve other people, they would never be lonely. And because a lot of these lonely kids will end up committing suicide. It's oh, tragic. Yeah. Uh, Clarence, you know, um, as long as I've known you, you've been an extremely hard worker and just really encouraging others to really steward their lives well and to plumb the depth of God and to, to actually grow in developing, you know, our skills. And so um, how also we're, we're talking about, you know, fathers, but speak yeah. to the way as uh, the Apostle Paul, he thought of Timothy as a son, you know, so speak to that way as well with this, with this book and encouraging men, other men, just to plug into people's lives? Well, I think it's really important. My dad was killed, shot and killed when I was 20 years old. And I just it introduced me to Christ when I was 18. And Gary Chapman stepped in and became my dad. This was before he was famous. And I can't tell you how important it is. And, and for me now, it's amazing. Like every Tuesday morning, I meet one of my spiritual sons. I have these spiritual sons, like four or five, they're different races, some in different countries. And they call him their spiritual dad. And it's just really kind of a cool relationship. We learn from each other, but we're, we're kind of there for each other. And so I think for a guy who doesn't have a dad, it's invaluable having a man, an older man, to love you and pour into you. And I have guys as old, well, used to be someone going to be the Lord, as old as 92, 94, 80, stuff like that. And, and David, you know of Dr. Bill Pinnell. Uh, he's mm-hmm. like one of my mentors, which is really incredible. Clarence, I would really love to spend the rest of our time. I think this is the most important uh, wise decision any man, any person will ever make, and that is discovering the truth of God and making a decision to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, it's, it's huge. Uh, it's, it changes everything. It changes my worldview. It just, when you have Christ, someone through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, someone with you, so you're never alone again, which is huge for me. Uh, it just it just shapes all you do. It led me to the woman I married. It has our kids. 
Um, you know, just earlier, well, last year I had the opportunity to lead an NBA couple to Christ, and they accept Christ at the same time. And to see their lives be changed, and they were really struggling in marriage, it's just, it's priceless. And so I just, um, to me, it just, it just, it gives more purpose to your life, and it helps you help other people make their lives more valuable, and they begin to experience really all life has to offer and what's really important as opposed to just having things. When you think about doing one-on-one discipleship and one-on-one evangelism with people, what do you find to be one of their biggest obstacles? Well, their self-image. Okay. Uh, usually people have a poor self-image of who they are. They feel they're not worthy or they're not good enough, athletic enough or pretty enough, all those kind of things are handsome enough. That tends to be the one big thing that's uh, uh, that, that deals with that, and which is why I really try and do more of a Christ-like discipleship where you disciple more than one person at a time because it's something important for other people in group dynamics where they're growing together in the faith as opposed to just a teacher-student relationship. Mm-hmm. One of the my favorite quotes you also have included in your book, uh, Choose Greatness, which was by A.W. Tozer, who once wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Mm, so profound. True. I love that. Well, on, that note, on that note, too, Clarence, you know, we have a wonderful group of listeners um, across the United States that are listening to this. And as we look at making this choice, uh, you know, choosing wisely as it relates to spiritual things, you know, what, what would you say to someone right now who's driving in their car or at home right now, folding laundry um, in relation to the choosing um, on choosing to discover the truth about God, the 11th um, value? Well, you know, if life is what we want to have and to the full, I would really study and see is the, are the things that Christ claims really true. I, you know, I, so I did the research on him, and, and, and I would tell him not to look at Christian researchers, look at secular researchers and hear what they say about Jesus and his historic, historical accuracy about that. And when you come to grips with that, then the spiritual part of Jesus becomes a no-brainer. But for me, it, it's just, you know, I thought when I became a Christian, before I became a Christian, I thought I had to give up basketball. But after becoming a Christian, I mean, God has taken me around the globe playing basketball against the National Olympic team. So God didn't take things away from us. He gives it to us more than ever. It's just with him, we learn how to handle things. And so I, I just, I, it's, it's the most exciting thing I've ever done is become a Christian. So I just highly recommend it. He's, he's worth checking out. Clark, isn't it interesting how people come into, into Christianity with a scarcity mentality? Yes, yes. Like you thought you weren't going to be able to play basketball. And all you do now is play basketball with really cool people in really cool places. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you, and you play on this level, which is fun, but what's really fun is seeing changed lives. I mean, there's a couple that play guys in the NBA and— it's just really neat to see their relationship grow better in their marriage now that Christ is in the center of their relationship. And it's also impacting how they parent. And for that, there's no amount of money that can pay for that. And, and they, I, it's, I, I can't even put it into words. It's, it's just priceless. Mm-hmm. So, Clarence, I know that we're going to be able to have another opportunity to speak uh, with you and with Dr. Gary Chapman. I think that's coming up next uh, Monday, which would be June 14th, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and I'm excited to continue our discussion on this uh, because I want to encourage all young men and all 
fathers and mentors of young men to realize that great lives don't happen by accident. You say in your book that a life worth living is built inch by inch, and I can't think of anything more true than that. Well, yeah, and it's a process, and you don't live it alone. And so I feel fortunate to have my dad, my biological dad, who was my hero, but also other men after him to come and invest and pour into my life. And as a result of that, I'm turning around and investing my life in other people. So, yeah, it's it's, it's the one thing to do. It's, it's, it's really what life is all about All right, that, from my perspective. That kind of wraps up our time for today. David, parting thought? Yeah, well, I want to say we're at this time of year where people are going to, you know, maybe still going to graduation parties and they're thinking, you know, what's a gift to give to someone? And I'm thinking this is probably one of the the best books for young men to give to them to help them with their future decisions. Choose greatness. 11 wise decisions that brave young men make. That's all for uh, our guest today, Dr. Clarence Schuler. We'll be with him again next Monday on the Monday Afternoon Mix. We'll be right back with lots more. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.